You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive Scottish football content. Hi folks and welcome to this week's edition of the SM Media Scottish Football Show. I'm Scott McPike, it's a pleasure as always to be your host. I'm delighted to welcome this week as my special guest. Thanks very much for coming on, Adam Kennedy. Adam, it's a pleasure to welcome you on, thanks for joining me. Not at all, Scott, the, uh, the pleasure's all mine, mate. How are you, alright? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm looking forward to this one. We were meant to have three, we were meant to be joined by Dumbarton's John Gemmel, but obviously he suffered quite a bad injury on Saturday, so we are wishing him all the very best and hopefully it's not as serious as first feared. We're obviously kind of missing. We're obviously missing a kind of three team, but we'll wing it just the two of us, Adam. It's going to be a an entertaining show. We've got a lot to talk about, so we'll obviously have a a lot to delve into here. We'll start with the action on Saturday in the Premiership. Four games. But where else to start? But Celtic Park, Celtic six, Hibs one. Adam will we'll obviously just get through the the game as a whole, but we'll just get through. James Forrest getting a hat trick, his first start of the season. Uh, took his tally to 100 goals. Celtic, I thought, were a lot better than they have been the past few weeks domestically. A lot more... The, the football we're used to seeing this team play was a lot was on show a lot more. I thought Haskabanovic, I thought he he looks a really good find. But Forrest as well, when he came in, he just looked... To, it, it looked as if he was he's, he was five years younger. Do you know what I mean? He, was, he looked as if he hadn't missed a step. thought the boy Bernabe looked really good as well. From a Celtic perspective, it was... An excellent performance. I think it probably, if it was double figures, I don't think Hibs could have complained. I thought Hibs are really poor defensively. Your overall thoughts in the game? How impressed were you with Celtic's display? Very. Um, but in saying that, I thought that Hibs were about as good as Lee Johnson's coat selection, if I'm honest. Um, I was not <laughs> impressed with the attire on that touchline. <laughs> uh, and I'm certainly not impressed with the Hibernian defending. Um, as you alluded to, I think Celtic could have made it any scoreline that they really yeah. fancied, to be honest. I, I really, really do. I think that the first two are sort of similar finishes where they've gone back across Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, and in saying that, those are bad enough. James Forrest second and Celtic's third is a keeper calamity. Yeah, and it's not team. something we're not used to David Marshall doing, but... no. I just think he's it's not. It's something all that day. I'm used to a Hibs goalkeeper doing because <laughs> I've seen this down the years with you know the likes of Eve McAlam or <laughs> various other jokers between the sticks. Um, but he certainly won't want. If anything, this is a good game for him to do it in because it didn't really have that much of an impact on the result. Mm-hmm. It, the scoreline looks a little bit worse, um, but Celtic were were back to their their ruthless best. Uh, and James Forrest, like you say, he actually. I, I thought when ro- watching James Forrest recently, it looks as though he's lost that yard of pace. Mm-hmm. But on Saturday, it seemed as though he was back to his, his best because he's electric. And 100 goals for Celtic is an incredible feat. Um, and I, I still don't understand the criticism that he gets from, from some Celtic fans, to be honest with you. I think it's uh, that one of those things. I've always looked at it from a, like a Scottish player, particularly at an old firm club. They always get pre- maybe unnecessary pressure just because of those there's that because they're homegrown. Yeah, I think they're sort always of expected to know what they're to do week by week. And yes. then it, it further intensifies, if, particularly, I think, more so if they're a boyhood fan as well. <coughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah, I mean the perfect example of that was when like Nicky Clark at Rangers, Nicky Clark just couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle Andy the pressure. Halliday, Andy Halliday. Halliday. Yeah, there's yeah. there's so many could go on, but James Forrest, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he has been excellent for Celtic, and I think I think you've had a point. I don't think he's it spoke about enough just how important he's been for Celtic over the years. Like I say, a hundred goals. I would have, I thought like when you look at his actual time at the club. He's been through the... He was obviously there under Rodgers when Celtic were sweeping up and he was a real important player in that side and it, it just goes to show that he's still got it. I mean, I think, like, when when Celtic were bringing in all these players like Sajota, Maeda, he was, he was going to be back in the pecking order. He was going to be lowered down. But now, yeah. when... And we'll touch on this with Rangers later on, but Celtic have the options now to bring on. Celtic can bring on a James Forrest. They can bring on a Maeda... James Forrest is probably, he's not going to start every week. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But in a game like this, where he was strongly changing the squad, I thought at the start, again, just like he's the past few weeks, but he's made six or seven changes in a game and it's not worked out. Was it going to be the same here? But here it was excellent. I thought, I, I just thought they clicked. I thought, I want to give a mention to Aaron Moy. I thought Aaron Moy controlled the game beautifully. I thought some of his passes, just so he's, you can tell he's played at a good level. You can tell just his, out in the slippers on. Yeah, you can tell just his IQ, his his attention. Just he knows he knows where to put the pass. It's up to the other. It's up to the other players in the, the squad to find it and know where to be. But he's just so he's he relaxed the tempo. The tempo that is always so quick. But when it needed to be calmed down, he brought it down. He knew where to put it. It was just I thought it was excellent. I thought Moy was actually my man of the match because everything that Celtic were doing was going through him. I've I think we've been looking for a performance like that from Aaron Moy since he came in. And obviously with Callum McGregor's injury, it's imperative exactly, that Celtic yeah. have somebody. That that yeah. was a, as seamless a transition as they could have hoped for. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you've got the likes of your Haksabanovic's, your Forrest, whoever else just running a plenty, options are plenty. Yeah, I, I think Celtic are, are in a really good place. I, I don't think, I, think, I thought the criticism in terms of European football has been harsh I know they've not really been at it domestically but I think perhaps they just needed somebody to take it out upon and Hibs were evidently those guys on, on Saturday I'd, I'd fully expect Celtic to go on a wee, a wee run now and regain their sort of prowess in front of goal it seems as though they've found their shooting boots again and I, I, I agree with you in the, Celt- like the, the European run obviously Celtic they're, they're out of the Champions League they've lost three of the four games but they are, they're, they're not changing their, their makeup. They're going and trying to get the, I think in a better day, they maybe get something out of Leipzig game. I thought the first half against Real Madrid, I thought they were really good. I just think the, when you're up against. Warsaw and Donetsk for me, that was the one they should have won. Yeah, that one I think you you pick up, you, you should pick up more than, than what you got. But the problem with, with this is you could play, you could have a brilliant game, but you're up against top class opposition. I mean, yeah. Rangers another example. I thought Rangers were okay first half against Liverpool, but when Liverpool turned it on, Rangers just went hiding. And that Celtic team to be fair to them didn't do that. But when you're up against that top class opposition, it's just tough to it's tough to I, get. I, yeah, you can pass up these opportunities against St Johnston and Ross County because you're expecting to churn out a couple more and eventually take one. Yeah. And but that's the your thing. Leipzig's Real Madrid's Liverpool's in Napoli. Are just looking absolute disgrace. That's that's what we're talking about. Yeah, and it's it's that next level. But going back to the game on Saturday, Celtic perspective, it was really good. Everything clicked. A Hibs perspective, if Lee Johnson was looking to go, 
I think any manager looking to go to Celtic Park and Ibrox, you need to be organised, you need your players to be totally concentrated and it was just bad, a bad day at the office for Habs. There was basic errors all over the park. You look at the blunder, it was at Kenner, I think is his name. Yeah, he made for, for the goal. Forrest Hattrick goal. Yeah. Just everything that could go wrong for Habs went wrong and it was just one of those days where Celtic, when Celtic were punishing any error and were just taking it out in Habs and Habs just didn't have the organisation to just try and make it a lot better than it was because it just turned into a horrendous day. And, and and to be honest, I'm surprised that uh, Lee Johnson actually opted to start Lewis Stevenson uh, because I just feel as though on that big park, you know, Stevenson doesn't play every game. Mm. I, I think the boy Chabria is a good player at left back, actually. I think he's yeah. one of their better signings. Um, so I was surprised to see Lewis Stevenson start. And even then, in saying that, they sort of went and targeted Chris Cadden predominantly down that, obviously, their left-hand side, Hibbs' right. Uh, and a lot of joy came from it. So I, I don't know. You're right. You need everybody to be at it. You need a couple decisions in your favour that you perhaps don't get. Um, and a strong performance from, yeah, you're 11 on the park, the officials, and just hope that the old firm don't have their shooting boots on. But unfortunately for Hibs, uh, that was anything but at Parkhead on Saturday. Yeah, and obviously it's just a sale to obviously went five points clear. We'll touch on obviously Rangers later on when they, they obviously get it back to two points. But we'll go to the Tony Macaroni Arena. Livingston with a 1-0 victory over St. Johnson. Baham Buller with his first goal for Livy. Another tenacious performance from Livingston, something we should all be used to, that they can grind out results. I thought this was obviously a massive three points for Livingston, puts them back into the top six, but... One player I want to single out as I do most weeks in this show is Joel Newbley. He was instrumental oh. to everything Livingston did. The goal comes from him as well. It's just he's he's so important to that Livy team. And just I don't think that's Livingston team. I don't think they've got I don't think they've got a guy that's going to get them 25, 30 goals. I don't think they've got that start player, but they've got what Martin Dale's been brilliant at doing is just bringing in these players who you look at when you when they sign and you're thinking, right, okay, that's a gamble. But when then when they come in and he gets to work on them and he fits them into his system, it just seems so simple. And results of this... Oh, sorry. On you go. <laughs> I was I was going to say, he seems to extract <coughs> every single potential element out of the playing personnel that he recruits. Uh, and I think Joel Nubley and Christian Montano down the left, mm-hmm. they've just looked like Roberto Carlos and Ronaldinho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything going through them. Um but again, for St Johnston, like I wonder what could have been because they actually made a really strong start to this game. Yeah, I think with St Johnston, the thing that puzzled me with St Johnston watching the watching this game back and things like that. Last week when they played Celtic, they showed so much resolve after they went a goal down. But they were they came back into it. They they didn't look they were giving up. And Saturday, obviously, a team that's not. I mean, Celtic is relentless. You're going to be playing. You're you're not going to get a minute's peace, but. St Johnson, they didn't. They just didn't show that they were unlucky. They were actually unlucky not to not to be kind of behind at half. They were uh, they were unlucky to be behind at half time. I thought they were actually. Yeah. I thought they actually were probably just as even. But in the second half, when they had to kind of fight back, they weren't really getting anything going. And it's those games that you look back. You maybe look back in May and think like, not that I'm saying I don't know if St Johnson are going to be relegation candidates, but. These are the games you need to try and get something out. If you've got a chance to get get something out of it, you need to show it in games like this. And it just didn't click for St. Johnson at all on Saturday. 
No, it, it didn't. I think Stevie May is a massive player for them. And mm-hmm. it looked a couple of weeks ago as though he was back to his best. Passed up a good few opportunities. I mean, I think there's one within the first 20 seconds that he drags <coughs> wide. He then should score after a, a mishap from Nicky Devlin. He runs in behind the Livy defence and he looks to kind of dink over the keeper. Yeah. Whereas maybe a wee side foot past him or just slam it. Um and obviously James Brown as well. What a strike that was mm-hmm. that looked as though it was going to creep over the line, but but didn't. And it's it's these sort of hard lines that these are the fine margins that need to go St. Johnston's way in order for them to pick up a point or all three from this game. And ultimately they didn't. I, I'm really struggling to work them out because I feel like sometimes they'll pick up the odd result on the road when you least expect them to. Mm-hmm. And yet here they were probably worthy of a point Livy maybe just shaded it but arguably could add a point on a different day um, and, and come away with nothing so if, if if they are sort of lagging behind by a point or two points like you say this will be one of those fixtures that they'll rightly be kicking themselves at. But you look at Livingston as well I mean we say it every week they're, they're not they're not going to you're getting a Livingston season ticket. You're not going to watch exhilarating football. You're not going to see, but you're going to what you are going to see is organisation, and you're going to see, like, if Livingston go one nil up, I would trust them more to hold on to it. I think yeah. they're, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think they're always rather than good. try and respond from, yeah, yeah. <coughs> and, I, I, know, I know what you mean. They're sort of a perfect kind of cohesive unit. Everybody knows exactly what to do. They're well drilled. Evidently well coached. I'm a big fan of David Martindale. Yeah, I, th- I think he's. I think he's done doing an excellent job. <coughs> Recruits very well in terms of coaches, playing personnel. Knows exactly what he wants from every single player, uh, and ultimately manages to extract all of that from them. Mm-hmm. And it's as I say, it's another big th- uh, three points for Livingston, and it puts them into the top six. We will go to Ross County one, Dundee United one at Dingwall. Ross County took the lead, a wonderful strike from Ross Callahan just before half time. But Dundee United, they got it back through Tony Wall with half an hour to go. Adam, I'm going to start with Dundee United first because I think they are they are beginning to get a bit I get get a bit better. They've obviously had the two big wins, obviously against Aberdeen and Hibs. I fancied the United Grant last game. I thought they would. They're beginning to get a run going. I think a point was probably the right result. It's beginning to get. A, it's beginning to get a bit more organised. I think Liam Fox knows now what he wants to do. He's got a, a settled team. I thought as well the change he made at the break to bring on Jim and Mikkelsen made a big difference to the midfield because you obviously know Arnold Jim pretty well. He came in and it settled it down. I thought I like. I really like Sibold and Craig, uh, Craig McGrath, Jamie McGrath, but. I don't think that I don't think it was an organised midfield on Saturday. I thought when he brought in the, the the two that come on, I thought they made a real difference. I actually thought that was what made them worthy of a point. Actually, just a bit more relaxation. When Fletcher and Mulgrew come back as well, I think they'll be they'll be key to this team. I just thought again, the D United they look a lot better than they certainly did a month ago. From for example, I think they're a lot more organised. Yeah, I, I expect them to to more on because it's a good squad. I mm-hmm. think I think they have got players. Arnold Jim's a, a great signing. I think. I think um, he is. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big big fan of his. One probably one of my favourite Hearts players of the past decade. Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I feel as though he's something different in midfield. <coughs> I don't think he's perhaps given the credit that he is in a 
combative sense. I think everybody looks at him and thinks that he's quite easy on the eye, sort of a playmaker, that little bit more advanced than, say, a midfield duo mm-hmm. or trio. I, I think he's better defensively than a lot of folk think. Um, and your Craig Sibbles, Jamie McGrath, Dylan Levitts, they're all wonderful footballers, but they've been needing that little bit of dig that I think yeah. will probably give them. I think he and Levitt would complement one another really well. Yeah, I find, um, like, I find when you've got, for example, like if you play, for example, like, play, sort of played a kind of 3 4 2 1 when he'd like Sibbled and Levitt, and then just in front of them, he'd McGrath and Middleton, and you didn't, as you say, yeah. you didn't have that dig in there. But I thought bringing in Doom, I think that's obviously why he's done it because. You've got a lot of talented midfielders, but you know as well as I do, when you have three attacking midfielders and you don't have somebody in there just to tidy things up, it it, it means you lose a lot of battles in there. So Juma and he thinks can he, play as well. Like he is, exactly, he, is, he, is yeah. a, he is a wonderful footballer. It gives you both sides. Um, I, I I expect United to motor on now, and that's that's two excellent wins, obviously back to back clean sheets prior to the county game. But I think they will be disappointed with the goal that they lose through. Yeah. Arguably, Craig Sibbald, who probably should just smash Ben Purrington out the way or the ball out the way. It's a really good finish as well that he takes it so well. A a ridiculous goal. It's actually all about Purrington's persistence for me. I think that's probably where the credit should go, but a postage stamp finish from Ross Callahan. Mm. Um, not entirely sure if it was meant, but a, a fine finish nonetheless. You certainly take it, but I just want to go back to a point about the United's squad. Yeah, I just want to run through their bench. Like they've got Mulgrew, Niskanen, Pollock, Fletcher, Jim, Mikasin, Anaku, and Harks. That's a quality bench. Yeah, it's good. Give it's that good to good any team that's options. not Rangers or Celtic, and they probably be happy. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. they, they do not. That squad should not be bottom in the league. No. And it's just and, been and that I, thing. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it will be for long. I, I think I, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, and you so, saw two big wins against Aberdeen and Hibs, and I think they will be fine. I think once they get a run going. I thought Liam Fox was a bit of a risk. I, I, I know that kind of thing of, right, we've tried, they've been 25 managers in the last 30 years. They need to try something That's different. Do you know what I mean? Times. It is mental. I think but, it was as many as that. And it's that thing as well where you're like, you've tried everything. Do you know what I mean? You've tried everything to, and it's a couple of worked, a couple of won trophies, but you've also had that thing as well where some have been absolute disasters. And I, I don't, I think with Jack Ross, for example, Jack Ross and we'll maybe touch on this later on with another manager, when you have that horrendous result, it's difficult to win back the trust of the fans. When it happens again, it's kind of shot to pieces, no matter how early on. So when you lose 7-0 and 9-0, you could go on and win your next 10 games. But then the Harry Maguire syndrome, I call it, you could have 10 amazing games. But when you have another bad one, that's forgotten about. Yeah, they're quick to then point about previous poor performance. Yeah. It's, it, there's only so much that you can do. I mean, you're not going to please everybody, but ultimately, you're, the sad reality is you're probably judged more on your losses than you are your wins. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that squad is capable of finishing top six. I'll say it right now. I think they're yeah, so easily, easily apart from maybe the top three, probably the best organised squad. I think it's obviously, I think the defence worries me a wee bit slightly. You've got... Edwards is a really good defender. I don't know much about Smith and McMahon. Whether they're kind of whether they need a they need something it's, different. I don't. It's funny because they seem to play a three at the back, but both yeah. Scott McMahon and Liam Smith are recognised left and right backs. Yeah, which I, that doesn't bode all that. And then well you've got Freeman and BH and kind of about four. You you basically you basically get five defenders in the park, and that's maybe why that bench looks so good because you've got only one real centre back. Yeah, 
that's the mm-hmm. weird one to me. And obviously, if if Mulgrew comes in, if Mulgrew comes in, Mulgrew will probably take one of those places, I would imagine. But that to me is just the the one area of the, the United team where I look at and go, that's maybe something that because I think going forward, I think they're fine. They've got so much talent in, yeah. in forward areas. Just that defence that worries me. But on the other hand, let's look at Ross County. <coughs> I really worry for Ross County, especially going forward, because I have a lot of time for the job Malky Mackay's done so far. I think he's been, I think getting the getting the club into the top six last season was a great achievement. But when you lose players like Charles Cook and Hungbo, it's really difficult to replace them. And I think we're seeing that now. When you just look at the, the league table, they're minus 13 in goal difference. I think they've only scored four goals this season. That's not that you don't you can't be having that after eleven games. It might not be as as low as four, but it's certainly not any not much more than that. And that is a worry for me with Ross County that I think at times they play really good stuff and I but I just think they're really toothless. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. I think you've alluded to it there, probably hit the nail on the head with Charles Cook and Hungbo. Mm-hmm. He seems to be chopping and changing his wide players week by week. Yeah. Some weeks it'll be Josh as, Sims. Sorry, six goals. But it seems to be either Sims or Edwards or Accio or Olegbe. There doesn't seem to be a stapled set. I don't think he knows his strongest 11. No. I don't even think that's the case up front because he, <coughs> he started off the season with Jordy Hula up there. Now it seems to be Jordan White. Mm-hmm. And jo- I, I like Jordan White as a footballer. I think he's effective at his job, but he's certainly not a proven goal scorer by any manner of means a target man to effectively bring others into play. And I think last season, he probably got the very best out of Charles Cook, Hungbo, Ross Callahan, sort of in that roaming area. Um, and County just aren't hitting the heights that they that they did last season for, for whatever reason. And it's that thing as well. Like I've, I'm just looking at Malky Mackay's kind of post-match. He it basically said, second half we changed our personnel and it was another point. We're now five points off six, so we'll build on it. So he's looking, I get the positivity of it, that you're not far away from where you were last season, but you're also sitting bottom of the league with the lowest goal difference, with the lowest goal scored. To get up the table, you need to score goals. And I'm looking at, I, I agree with you, John White. I think he's a decent player. I don't think John White's going to get you the goals that Charles Cook no. got you. So No, no chance. And you look at... There's a lot of there was there's a lot of transfer transfer activity over the summer. I worry that losing two players is key as that. What you brought in that you brought in the volume, you brought in a lot of a lot of players to add to that position. You might have replaced the quantity, but have you replaced the quality? And I think that's essential for a team like Ross County because we I mean Charles Cook last season. Charles Cook, I don't think's a brilliant I don't think he's a brilliant footballer, but he performed really well. He got his move, but he was so key to that Ross County team. Losing him is massive. You need to bring somebody in who's going to do that job. Maybe not to the same standard, but you need to, you can't bring two or three in to try and do that job because it's it's not going to work. You're you're not going to have that level of consistency. And Ross County, I know, obviously top six last season, but the main priority is staying up. So I kind of get what Malcolm McKay saying, but you have to you have to start firing or it, it could be a very difficult position for them. It's got to be tough, I think, because they're not... I mean, I know Roy McGregor's obviously got a bit of dough, but, but they're not blessed in terms of resources and mm-hmm. facilities available to them. 
I think also the location that they're at is going to be tricky to attract yeah. a player. So I think their options are limited. But Malky Mackay does tend to get the best out of his wide players in particular. Um, so I don't know. I, I think he needs to work out who are his best two wingers going forward and just hope that they can try and replicate Charles Cook and Hungbo like we saw last year. But at the minute, it's certainly not looking that way. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what they can do more in, in an offensive sense because I don't think they're that bad at the back. No, I think, I think, it, is, easy, I think yeah. it, it, is, it is just going forward. Um, so there, there's got to be a solution. And obviously with the experience that he's got under his belt, <coughs> he, he, I think he will find it. I just worry if it's too little too late. We'll move on to the final game on Saturday. And if you want to talk about a team with a, a problem in front of goal, it's Kilmarnock. Now, we've spoken about this religiously over the past few weeks. Samarin so nil, Kilmarnock nil. Not a result many people would have been surprised by, I think, if you were to pick the, the traditional nil-nil we see every weekend, it would have probably been this one. But when you actually look at the stats and Kilmarnock, they're just so lacklustre in front of goal. I mean... That's a team really in need of. See if Kilmarnock can just get a run going and score a score a barrel load somewhere. They'll get it going because I think Kilmarnock they're beginning to click in terms of playing. I think they're playing some really good stuff. I was talking to a couple of my, a couple of Kilmarnock fans I know this morning, and they said, "Listen, the first seventy yards of the field were fine. It's the last <laughs> twenty. Do you know what I mean? And it's that that thing that I mean, Kyle Lafferty." I think he missed four chances, and I looked. I looked back in sports scene, and Kyle Laffer. It's it's not what you expect. That's what when Kyle Laffer was at Goldman, like his first spell, he was scoring anything he was getting in front yeah. of, and now you're just. <coughs> and I've never been, I've never been a big Christian Doidge and Anis Cameron fan in terms of. I think they're good options, but when you're needing a goal, I probably wouldn't turn to those two. And they just obviously didn't hit the heights either, and it's it's tough for Coman. Shaw as well. It, Ollie Shaw, I think, got, I think he's I think he's injured. Any perfect, perfect yeah. And um, sorry, the the Lafferty chance at the start of the first half is the big one for me. That's the one I was that going to touch on. That yeah. is that is that's not a, a chance thing. that Kyle Lafferty misses unless he's no. bang out of confidence. And is that what is that what you think it's down to? Is it solely maybe the fact that there's still this this kind of I don't know this uncertainty surrounding Kyle Lafferty. With I certainly, I certainly don't, done, I certainly don't, don't think that will be helping. But I no. think obviously that the problems Kumarnik with that have had these problems since the start of the season. I mean Kumarnik yeah. have, I mean the first, I think it was the first game was it? I think they drew with Motherwell. If I'm right, somebody can remind me. And yeah, they had the United. It was, United sorry, my mistake. They were so. I mean, they were creating some really good chances, just weren't putting them away. And it's just been a theme of the season so far. I mean, they had a massive win at home at St. Johnson a couple of weeks ago. And I thought, right, this is the turning point for Kilmarnock. I watched the game. I thought they were really good. I thought they were creating a lot of chances again. I just, and they were, they were taking them. And when you, I looked at like said Jones and uh, Danny Armstrong, Rory McKenzie, they were all beginning to get involved. Yeah. They were, it's a tough one for Kilmarnock because. Although they're promoted, and I do fancy them to do well, I did fancy them to finish top six. I don't know if they will now. I, I certainly don't think they're, if they're in that goal-scoring form, I don't think they'll finish anywhere near top six. But they're playing like a top six team. They're just not scoring. Yeah, I I didn't have them in the top six. I, I think a lot of folk did. Um, 
my only reason that I would have put them higher was because of Derek McInnes, who I think is an excellent manager. Uh, but ultimately, Dell can't put these chances in the back of the net. Um, <coughs> and I just feel as though when I'm, whenever I watch Kilmarnock, it seems as though their best chance of a goal is at a set piece, really, from, from an Ash Taylor or yeah. a Chris Stokes, as was the case against Hearts when I went to Rugby Park a, a couple of weeks back. Um, so, yeah... I, I don't know. I, I would be concerned. I, I think Dan Armstrong's having a wonderful season. Yeah. I think that he will look to provide for the likes of Lafferty, a Dodge, a Shaw, but it is that final finish. And that um, was the thing with Danny Armstrong. The other, the other, we obviously, I, I know Danny reasonably well. I was at school with him. When, when he was growing up, you wouldn't thought you wouldn't have thought he would make it at that level. But you can see just how much he's matured. He's obviously had a really good time down in England. Can I get a good learning at Wolves and obviously went to Hamilton, things like that. So he's he's had a good career path, but his create his creativity sometimes is tremendous. And yeah, I know the start of the title that game, he scored the double. He was it was so good in the ball. And anytime I watched him when it, when, when he was growing up, I was thinking mm, that's something I didn't think I'd certainly didn't think he'd be playing for Kilmarnock. But I mean, he's had a brilliant career path, but it shouldn't be up to Danny Armstrong. You have I mean, you, you have Christian Dodge, you have Kyle Lafferty, Ennis Cameron, is he at that level? I don't know, but you've got that firepower up front. They need to be on their on their game. They can't you can't be relying on the likes of Danny Armstrong every week. I think Fraser Murray's also a big miss for them out injured at the minute. Yeah. Um, so if you've uh, Jordan Jones hasn't really been at it. So if you maybe start with Armstrong and Murray, <coughs> I, I don't I don't think it is a Premier League squad that might sound harsh I don't think at the back yeah. and it seems like up front again I, I don't I don't know Derek McInnes will get it right though it, it, oh, yeah. if, get it right. It, if there's a guy if there's a man to get a tune out of a a squad that you maybe wouldn't consider and that's why I think we I think well, me and Wilson were doing my start of the season predictions we said about Kilmarnock um, it isn't a top six squad when you look at it I agree but Derek McInnes can get the best out of that team and I think that's the reason that I, I don't think that come, I was a vintage Kilmarnock league winning season last year. I know it was a championship, but it's probably Derek McInnes that just got them over the line. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I just think, I, I think Kilmarnock, they're, they're far better than what they're showing. So I think they need, to, they need to up the game and get the goals back pretty quickly. But St. Marin, they'll take con, little consolation, but it's five home, home games without defeat in the league. They've started pretty well, sitting in fourth place. I think St Mirren will be, although it was a disappointing day, obviously they didn't get the, the result at home, but when you're five, you're five games unbeaten in the league at home and you beat Celtic, I think if you'd said to Stephen Robinson at the start of the season, in the middle of October, you'll be sitting fourth, I think he would be reasonably, I think he'd be probably over the moon with that. Absolutely. I, I, think, <coughs> I, think, I think I heard the... Clinched something like six clean sheets already this season as well. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is, which is very impressive. Um, and Trevor Carson was excellent at the weekend, ultimately keeping keeping Kelly at bay. Yeah. Um, I I really like the job that Stephen Robinson's doing at St Mirren. It's taken some time. They obviously had a shocking uh, League Cup campaign. Yeah. Uh, but that's actually it's funny how that's probably worked to Robinson's benefit because that seems to have. Not alleviated all pressure, it's probably mounted the pressure, but there's no real expectation then. So everything then becomes a bit of a bonus and they've managed to 
find sort of remedies that work and are slowly making progress. This could be the season where they clinch that top six that Tony Fitzpatrick was banging on and on about. I certainly I, I wouldn't really surprise would me. Surprised. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me either. Bang. I thought they'd been relatively steady. I, I, I think I would have I would have said they were nowhere near. I, I think I had them finishing bottom. And I want to apologise to Stephen Robinson and Tony Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I think I'm going to be. I think place, so I think I'm going to be wrong there, but I'm willing to accept it because I've been quite impressed with how they've started as well. And it wasn't uh, when when you go up against a Celtic team, for example, and that was a shock to us all because we didn't see that result coming. But what I didn't see coming was so matter of two now up and still going for it. It wasn't yeah. like do you know what I mean? And I mean they're they're, they're finding their feet and. You look at that submarine team, just look through it. It's it's a good side. Yeah, I, I I like I like the system that they play. I like yeah. Scott Tanza and Ryan Strain, obviously back from I think he was injured recently, but he was back at the weekend. I think John Ayunga's been superb for them. He's been a really good side, and yeah. Seem to have struck up a really nice partnership. Keanu Bacchus is obviously in that internet international recognition with Australia as well in the middle of the park. And Mark O'Hara's a solid player at this level. Ethan Erehan, a bright young talent. The back three all, you know, picked up a good load of experience. Charles Dunn, obviously, Robinson worked with him at Motherwell. Yeah. Declan Gallagher, another. <coughs> uh, Marcus Fraser been there or thereabouts. So, yeah, it, it is a good a good squad. Um, and it seems as though it's taken some time, but they finally know exactly what's expected of them. And I think, I think this could be a, a top six season for them finally. It could very well possibly be, but we'll move into the two games on Sunday. We're calling this on Sunday night. So two games today, 12 o'clock, the, the early kickoff was Motherwell 1, Rangers 2. Rangers got the three points. It wasn't, it certainly wasn't the reaction I think a lot of Rangers fans were hoping for. <laughs> no. Tillman with a terrific goal, which probably one of the best goals of the season so far. I thought it was a bit of genius. I really thought it was incredible. John Lundstrom obviously made it 2-0. We're ahead of, I think I'll do him the world of good as well, getting that goal. But Motherwell did did try and get back into it. A really good free kick from McKinstry. You can argue McGregor's positioning, but we'll maybe get into that in a couple of minutes. But I think a lot of Rangers fans were expecting some sort of response after Wednesday night. And if you didn't see Wednesday night, you saw a second-half capitulation. You saw a, a Rangers team that threw in the towel because they were getting exposed. And that is, that is exactly... A, wrote a column about it today, about the uh, focused heavily on recruitment that I think is the big problem at Rangers at the moment. But the first half was, I text a couple of people when I said this is as slow and turgid a Rangers performance as I have seen in a long time. If I was a Rangers player after that on Wednesday night, I would be wanting to bust a gut for those fans and give them a reaction, give them a response. And that first half was, it was a non-event. I mean, Motherwell, I think I tweeted at half-time, Motherwell were actually okay without really doing anything because they were doing a bit more than Rangers. Rangers were just, it was it was back passes. It was, there was nothing, in, there was no performance in that Rangers system. And and wasn't it? it that's really the big was. worry for me is that when I look at Celtic, for example, and I think we all compare Celtic and Rangers in different ways, but when you look at Celtic, and I'm sure you'll agree, it's always fast. It's always get the ball forward. It's quick. It's, do you know what I mean? One touch, two touches. It's a blitzkrieg at Parkhead from, from the minute go, isn't it? Yeah, even away from home, it's the same. It's no, It yeah. never changes. And that Rangers performance in the first half makes me wonder what actually is the system here. What is, because 
if that's the way that Van Bronckhorst wants to play, I don't think it's going to work out, and I'll be honest. And that's what I was saying earlier on about when you have bad results. When you have bad results and then you follow up with poor performances, so you can get you can get wins and obviously buys buys time and buys a bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, nobody cares if you're winning. Nobody nobody extracts every ounce of the performance. But when you get a doing the way they did on Wednesday night, yeah, it brings that problem. It brings that problem to the surface. Everything comes to the head really quickly, and that's the worry for me because from now to the World Cup is massive for Rangers. I think. Europe, forget about Europe. Domestically is where Rangers need to focus on, but I would have a lot of worries about that first half performance because there was just no energy. And that to me is either players that are shot to pieces because of obviously a bad result or they're being told to play that way and either or isn't good. It was uh, it was as pedestrian as you might expect. Mm-hmm. I, I also expected a strong Rangers performance because... Historically, the record against Motherwell is very, very good. I don't think they've lost yeah. there since 2003, I think I heard James McFadden it's, saying, it's, because it's James McFadden scored the goal, I'm pretty sure. Well, either way, you know, it's, it's been strong at Ibrox as well. I, I think it's a really, well, maybe bar last season when they drew twice, but prior to that, it's uh, it's usually a, a relatively <coughs> points for Rangers. Um, but even then, they probably still did their best today to try and Chuck that away. I, I don't think, I don't think they were particularly great first half. I thought Ryan Kent and Tillman, the either, <coughs> excuse me, the other side, with the two danger men, but Cholak didn't get sufficient service. For no, he didn't. And I, you've touched on obviously Ryan Kent, and I want to bring this up. I brought it up during the during the column I, I wrote about on Sunday morning. With Ryan Kent, you have a massive problem on your hands because you have a player there who is. With Ryan Kent, Ryan Kent can go through a, a period of not playing well and not in form, but he's always wanting the ball. He's always wanting to get forward. And that's what we saw the past maybe two or three seasons when he's been at the club. This season, Ryan Kent is nowhere near where he needs to be. And you've got a player in your last year of your contract. And if, if you've got a player bang out of form and bang out of confidence, what do you do with him? What do you do with a £7 million asset who's not going to be anywhere near what you need him to be? And how do you fix that problem? Because he's going to continue starting them because he's hope, Van Bronckhorst is hoping one minute he'll just turn into Ryan Kent of two years ago. But the issue with that is, with Ryan Kent, you've got a player there who's probably... I mean, if, if he signs a new contract in the next two weeks, I think there'll be riots outside Ibrox but also on the other hand if you sell him if you let him go for nothing in May you've let a £7 million asset walk out yeah. the door so you're also going to have riots so it's it's such a bad position and that leads me to the recruitment that brings up the recruitment problem we could do it to death and I could spend hours on it I'm not going to because I know we've got beds to go to but that is the that is a massive problem for Rangers right now it's a it's a terrible sort of mismanaged situation with regards to Kent. Morelos is another <coughs> that obviously comes into that exact same bracket. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't feel as though Rangers' wide options are anywhere near Celtics. No, not in this, not at all. And yeah. I, I, I do think Matondo is. I do think he's a decent player. I think he's in a tough situation because. 
he's being expected to come in and be what Ryan Kent should be. And he's not... I think a couple of times when he went one-on-one, he was going to buy players today. I thought he was pretty good. But I think with with wingers, Rangers have a terrible Rangers fans have a terrible relationship with, with wingers. They want them all to be Brian Loudrop. It's not going to happen. But the issue is is that that whole team is just buying out of confidence at the moment, and also the system they're playing. It's not the. I mean, this time last year, Rangers weren't firing either. But yet they had a they had a forward system. They could. I mean, Steven Gerrard, I think we're probably going to be waking up while, while this goes out tomorrow morning. Steven Gerrard could be out a job at Aston Villa. But you could see what he wanted to do. You could see it was it was all about getting forward. I watched a couple of old Rangers clips the other night of, I think it was European games that Gerrard was in. And it was just so that, that intensity that I'm talking about that isn't there at the moment, Rangers had then. And it's the same players. So what is what is missing? What is what has changed? You've, I mean, we spoke to a Feyenoord fan last year, and he was telling us he says Van Bronckhorst will be it will be stubborn, it will be slow, it won't be this high intensity that you expect from Dutch managers. But it's probably worse than that because it's not it. There's no identity there at all, and I'm not no, putting not. that down to the man. I'm not just putting that down to the manager. I I do think the manager has an. I think he's a good tactician. You saw where likes a, a Wayne like you saw where likes a Dortmund, Leipzig, Braga, even Celtic at Hamden. He got it tactically spot on in all those games. So he does have, he does have really good kind of thinking That's in that nice. regard. Yeah. But what is missing in these games? And it's worrying. It is worrying me. I'm not going to lie. It's I, when I watch Rangers, I worry that there isn't a, there isn't a, an identity there. I I think <coughs> it, might, it might be a mentality thing, or perhaps giving too much respect to particular oppositions. I think under Steven Gerrard, it was all about <coughs> Rangers, and it was all about imposing themselves on a game. Mm-hmm. Whereas under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst particularly more continentally, it seems to worry about the opposition far more than Gerard ever did. Yeah. Far maybe the PSV match, but even then saying that, it sort of soaked up the pressure <coughs> and the goal that ultimately won them the tie in the Netherlands. You get you need that little bit of luck on that occasion. They, they made that work out. Domestically, I don't I don't know. I I is it because they'd won the league, what, two seasons ago now, won the cup last season, so they think it's only a matter of time before we eventually rock up? Is it is it a complacency thing? Is it a mentality thing? Is it giving the opposition too much respect? I I, I couldn't work it out. I, I honestly don't know the answer. I can't work it out either, but I think as well, what, you, what worries me is, is that Celtic, for example, they make five subs yesterday and improve. Do you know what I mean? The Things weren't going well. I know the Til- the Tillman goal is a bit of genius. It's uh, it's probably one of the best goals you'll see. Motherwell's defending for that goal, I think, is horrendous. I think oh, how shocking. how shocking. nobody's put a tackle. Five Do you know what I mean? Are, yeah, 100%. I wonder if it was going through their heads, but as a really good goal and things like that. But he needed with, that as well, the boy. He needed that, and yeah, and I think I think we know he can do that. He has showed glimpses. Yeah. He hasn't. I think he's been really unlucky as well. I, I remember at uh, Parkhead, they played him in the right right midfield and he's probably never played right midfield in his life. And you're asking him to go to a cauldron like Celtic Park, 60,000 people baying for your blood, play out of position, 
a young boy in a game like that, what are you expecting is going to happen? Do you know what I mean? He and Kent seem to operate far better, narrower than they do wider for me, from and what I've seen. That's what I think the issue could be with Kent, because under when Gerard was there, he wasn't an out-and-out winger under Gerard. He was no, more he of a kind of an inside ten. Yeah. It's kind of an inside ten thing. I, I don't like that term, but that's that is what it is. It wasn't because you have these two. They're basically wing backs and they are the the right and yeah. left backs, but they, they're they are more likely to get chalk on their boots than the wingers were. Correct, and that's the thing, and it's changing that. And I'm not saying change a system to suit one player. I wouldn't give Rankin anything more than what he's getting because he's not worthy of it at the moment. He's so bang out of form and not trying to be what he used to be, and that's the bit that worries me. Is it because if he's playing, he will he will get a move based on his pedigree. Like if he's came from Liverpool. He showed it. He showed in glimpses. He's got something of a reputation, Ryan Kent. Even if his numbers don't necessarily. And that's out. the thing. He's always going to get a big move, but based on performances, he's nowhere near going to be where I where I think he he, he thinks he he's right now shot to pieces. And that's obviously it's obviously three points, and I know that's all that matters. But I left. I watched that game and walked away with more questions and answers. And what is the actual plan here with this Rangers team? Now, I'm not saying... I, th- I do think Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, I think he's been badly let down by his recruitment team because if I'm a manager and if I'm Giovanni Van Bronckhorst last summer, eh, last October, when he, not last November, when he was offered the job, the first thing I would have been asking is, can I make my own stamp in this squad? Because this squad is full of players who have been there for too long. The you need any manager will tell you they need to have their own a manager in the west of Scotland goes into a new job the first thing he wants to do is put his own stamp in the squad that's just Rangers and it's a team there I know he's brought a few players in I thought Davis looked really good I thought he's really I think he will be a good signing but it's the same team that Gerard had you need to have your own stamp in a squad and that's where that, that the recruitment thing really worries me is that is Giovanni Van Bronckhorst able to do what he wants. If he wants to play that system, that's fine, but he needs to have his own implement the squad, and that's what's worrying me. I don't think he does. I think the goalkeeper situation also didn't help matters either. It's a shambles. It's an absolute shambles. I think that has a big effect on the back (coughs) four. It's also constantly chopping and changing through injury. Um, Yeah, I I, I don't know. Injuries injuries is always... his, His gloves, and then to see... You know, there's not been an established centre-half period for Rangers yet this season, has there? No, because they'll really? get injured. And injuries yeah. happen. I get that injuries happen. But if you were to ask me right now, if I if I was living in a cave somewhere and you'd ask me, who's who's the five players in that Rangers squad? You know, write down that Rangers squad for me and tell me the five players who would I, I think would most likely be injured. It would be Roof, Jack, Suter, Holanda. And I would probably just throw one, throw another one in, like a, a Davis or something, just just in terms of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Those four players, yes. And I know that, and you know that, and thousands of fans know that, <laughs> but the recruitment team don't. Now you've a Janis Hadji. I think Janis Hadji is very. What's the word I'm looking for here? A very unique player. I don't think there's another Janis Hadji at Rangers. Janis Hadji's been injured since last December. Just before the just before the Celtic game, yeah, was that a long, a long time anyway. 
Why are you not replacing that? Now, I, I know I, we could have Ross Wilson on here and asked Ross Wilson that question, and Ross Wilson would say, oh, but when, when he's fit, yeah, right, okay, when he's fit, you might have a great squad. You might have the best squad in the country. You've not had that player for 10 months. You you need to replace that player because it's like they'll if, argue that those are too expensive though with how unique he is, you know. Possibly, but I mean, he went more. He went and got Aaron Ramsey. Do you know what I mean? True. He's he's done yeah, that. True. So that's my big worry with Rangers at the moment. Now we could again, I I could spend all day talking about this because it's something that I really really fear for the club that this is this is a bad bad situation. But it's a big result today. I thought Motherwell. They were in the game without, as I say, they were in the game without really doing anything. But they will want to be. They they will want to be maybe like on another day against a really poor team like Rangers in the first half. They would have been wanting to get something out of that game. They look either a top team or <coughs> shot to pieces at the back. Yeah, and 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 again, they're another who I can't work out week by week. We've seen them. Absolutely blitzed Ross <coughs> County up in mm-hmm. Dingwall in probably one of the standout results of the season. They battered hearts, but somehow lost 3-0. So I I really don't know what to make of Motherwell. I think Stevie Hamill is doing a good job in an offensive sense. Obviously, their goal <coughs> today didn't come from open play. It, it was a set piece and, and a brilliant one at that. Yeah. Um, but defensively, I would be asking questions. I, I really would. I don't think, you know, Ricky Lamy was meant to be moving on to Dundee on a pre-contract. Yeah, was there something? And, with... and Graham Alexander then sort of pulls him out of that because <coughs> he grabbed the goal to send him into the top six. In was it not something to do with Dundee pull? Did Dundee pull out of that? Cause it, I thought it, it, Lamy pulled out. It could be. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. But as you say, yeah, it's, it's, a... Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a, a funny, funny situation. I don't think... Bevis McGabby was superb for them last season, hasn't had a look in this season. Yeah. Stephen O'Donnell's might be their club captain, but again, barely features. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'd be I'd be concerned about Motherwell at the back. I think look, their season it's a cliche, their season won't be defined by games against Rangers. Of course it won't. Mm-hmm. But the, they do continue to threaten from time to time, Motherwell. They just need to tighten up defensively. And the goal, both goals, in fact, are are prime evidence of that. Yeah, absolutely. But again, a big one for Rangers takes them obviously to back to within two points. A Celtic final game over the weekend in the Premiership was at Petodre. Aberdeen two hearts nil. Duck and Bezigen with the goals for Aberdeen. Aberdeen, we'll start with Aberdeen first and then I'll let you tear into hearts. I know you probably want to. <laughs> Aberdeen, a big, big week for them obviously after a horrendous result last weekend to come back. A back three obviously helped them. They made the most of big chances. They, it was a hard-fought game. I don't think it was probably a game that you would probably watch back if you were looking for something to entertain you. But Aberdeen were the better team on the day and deserved the victory. Can't, can't argue against that. Um, I, I, I think I think it actually probably perfectly coincides with <coughs> the Motherwell Rangers as well. And they both weren't great spectacles first half. Mm-hmm. Broke into life eventually in the second um, through perhaps some individual brilliance. I think Aberdeen are very good at Petaudry. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what happens on the road. Yes. As, as, as we've seen so far this season. 
Uh, their record against Hearts is strong. They're up against the Hearts team who are all over the gaff at present, to be honest. Um, and again, like I, I don't know. I, I'm intrigued to see what will happen with Jim Goodwin and this supposed touchline ban. Mm-hmm. But I, that's a sham. That's a shambles, by the that's way. That's a joke. That's a that's shambles an joke. But I, I think he'll, I think he'll get it right at Aberdeen. I think he's, I think he's a good young manager, Jim Goodwin, and I think he's got actually an array of options. It probably speaks volumes about Aberdeen that Christian Ramirez was by far and away their main man last season. One of few shining bright lights. Doesn't get a look in over Miofsky. Now Dukes beginning to bag some goals as well. Um, I like their threat in the wide areas with the likes of Bazawin. Matty Kennedy's <coughs> finally coming into his own. Johnny Hayes. Um, I like the yeah. boy Clarkson from Liverpool. I think he's a really good Good they've obviously got Marley Watkins back now fit as well. So it's beginning to, to pick up for Aberdeen. Um, I, I think they will finish top <coughs> six pretty easily. My only concern is how consistent... If they can churn out results on a consistent basis, that's fine. But all it takes is sort of a loss or two, and we need to see them bounce back. They have done here. Um, I want to see what it's like further down the line. <laughs> Hearts, on the other hand, I'm keen to get your thoughts on this. I I look at Twitter a lot after games because I follow a lot of clubs. I follow a lot of fans from clubs. I, I want to know what's going on. And the one thing that always strikes me about Hearts is when it's good, Robbie Nielsen's the best manager in the world. But when it's not good, Robbie Nielsen should be banned from Tynecastle, should be flung to the wolves and... Oh, we're the most bipolar support. When you look at football. when you look at this season so far, though, and I'm keen to get your thoughts on this, injuries have been horrendous. But when you look at the table, they're not actually far off where they need to be. I know what you're saying. It's not. It's not all bad. It's not all I, bad, I, but I, you, I, would th- you, of, you would think you would think they've lost of, their first nine games of the season. Is that yeah. just by? Yeah. I'm I'm having this conversation with my pals on a a daily, sometimes weekly basis. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think for hearts, <coughs> it seems as though those that have been let go, the sort of incomings and outcomings are of the exact same number. Yeah. People's frustrations are whether what we've signed is, of a higher bracket than what we've let go. I would say it is, because you look at a Lauren Shanklin, for example. Now, I would imagine Lauren Shanklin was brought into play with Liam Boyce. The yes. Boyce injury has meant that isn't possible. But you still look at like I'm. I look at that that Hearts team, for example. Just Snodgrass is a far better option than what was there last season. I do think that I do think Joyce Grant is a good player. I think he's been. I think he starts. He's been a bit stop start, but I think he is. George Grant's one that I've not made my mind up on yet. He's he's yet to impress me, if I'm honest with you. But carry on. <laughs> You've got the the Greek. I, I've tried to pronounce his name. I'm not going to murder it. But we all just call him Keo. So just go with Keo. Let's go with that. <laughs> I think the jury's still out. I'm sure you'll agree, but. Yeah. A Lauren Shankland and an Alan Forrest, for example, they're far yeah. better options than what was there last season. I would I would have said, if I was a Hearts fan, that the squad has got better. But I would also say injuries have not helped. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. I think we look better. Actually, we look better offensively because so often last season, if Barry Mackay didn't perform, we didn't perform. Yes. Barry Mackay's not been anywhere near his best this season. Alan Forrest has come in, arguably taking that sort of that mantle off him, if you like. I've been wanting Hearts to sign Lauren Shankland mm-hmm. since he since he left air. Yeah. Um, it's it's defensively, I think that's the concern. We really are missing Craig Halkett. You see it more week upon week. Upon I think week. even John Suter as well. John Suter as well, who hasn't adequately been replaced for me. Uh, I like Kai Rolls that we've brought in mm-hmm. from down under, but he's not a ball-playing centre-half in the same way that John Suter was. John Suter would start counter-attacks with a simple long diagonal up to probably Mackay on the left flank, yeah. and boom, before you know it, a couple passes away, bang. Stephen Kingsley's now taken on that responsibility of being the only one out the back three that can really play, and he's a left-back by default. Mm-hmm. Craig Halkett nods everything away. You know, you feed it up high, to your centre forward, it's food and drink for Craig Halkett, yeah. who's pretty limited as a footballer, but knows exactly what to do. Just a typical no-nonsense centre-half. I think elsewhere, Alex Cochran I've been delighted with since he's coming on a permanent deal from Brighton. I think that's mm-hmm. a really shrewd signing. And funnily enough, left-back was so often a problem position for Hearts. Now it appears to be right-back, stroke right-wing-back. Michael Smith certainly ain't getting any younger. Nathaniel Atkinson looks decent enough going forward. There's still question marks defensively. So we have got problems. But as you say, the bigger picture, we're trying to contend with two two fixtures a week upon occasion. We're still there or thereabouts. We get the likes of Kyrolls, John Suter, sorry, Kyrolls, um, Craig Halkett, I was going to call him John Suter there, Jesus. Uh, Liam Boyce, Benny Beningamy as well as another who could come Even a Cammy Devlin, for example. I know he's only injured, he's only suspended for a couple of games, but you miss that grit in the middle of the park. And yeah. you've got, I mean, I'm a huge Robert Snodgrass fan, have been for a long time, but the first thing that comes to my mind with Robert Snodgrass is not dig. No. He's a... He's not a luxury player, but he's nice on the ball. Yeah. A tidy, a tidy footballer. And I do think Hearts will get it right. I think I, I think they've been unlucky. I think they'll benefit from that. I, I know a quarter final of a League Cup will maybe be something Hearts fans would want, but I think they'll benefit from the, the midweek off. So I'm inclined to agree with that. Yeah. And I think it'll be a big the game. First time in a long time that we've yeah. had a Saturday to Saturday, or in this case, obviously a Sunday. To and Sunday. obviously, with two players going off injured, Haring and Halliday. Hopefully they're not as bad as perhaps luck has been. Yeah, so that would maybe be maybe be a, a maybe a blessing this midweek and a massive game on Sunday as well. So we'll maybe get into that later on. But let's move into the championship. We'll just run through the results over the weekend in the championship. Queens Park one, Arbroath one, Cove nil, Inverness one, Dundee two, Air United one, Morton one, Wraith Rovers nil, and Hamilton one, Parthet Thistle two. Inverness and Partick Thistle were obviously sitting top of the table on 20 points and uh, Inverness are top in goal difference. Uh, Partick Thistle are top in goal difference, sorry. Uh, massive wins for Dundee and Morton takes them into the top five. Morton have been very impressive this season. Probably Queen's Park and Abroath, I think when you speak to a couple of people, I think a draw was a fair result. What stands out to you in the Championship this weekend? 
Uh, it probably would be Air losing away at Dundee to try and keep tabs on on the top two. Um, because obviously being down in air at UWS, uh, <coughs> yeah, to long to Somerset quite a couple of times last season, wasn't impressed by the honest men at all. Mm-hmm. If I'm honest, I thought they were no great shakes. <coughs> but the job that Lee Bullen's doing, <coughs> excuse me, is is very impressive. Uh, and in Dipoaki Yemi, they've got somebody that continues to buy goals. Didn't at the weekend, <coughs> so I don't know whether that coincides with. United picking up points um, and Dundee I think that's a massive win for them because they'll obviously have aspirations to get promoted that's them now back in the playoff places um, so I don't think that that win can really be underestimated to be honest with you yeah. Huge win for Morton as well a 93rd minute penalty from Grant Gillespie stealing a huge three points for them takes them to 17 points just three points off the top the championship is already looking after other games. I think this is going to be a really exciting championship season, so I'm looking forward to that. I think it's just going to get better every week. League One, we'll go through the results. Alaba 2, Airdrie 0. Dunfermline 1, FC Edinburgh 0. Kelty 2, Clyde 1. Montrose 1, Falkirk 1. And Queen of the South 2, Peterhead 0. What stands out to me was the top of the table clash. Dunfermline won FC Edinburgh now. A late own goal from Liam Fontaine giving Dunfermline three points. Takes Dunfermline a point clear of Edinburgh. What stood out to you in the League One campaign this weekend? The uh, the top of the table clash was definitely one. Yeah. Perhaps surprised that I saw Falkirk drop points away at Montrose. I know mm. the Montrose are obviously still up and about in the playoff places. Um but I actually got the impression that this might be a year where they finally get it right and stop being such a shambles, primarily <laughs> down to John McGlynn. Um, but again, that's probably a game that Falkirk would have lost convincingly a couple of years ago. Yeah. Point perhaps coming from behind isn't necessarily the worst result. So you never know. I don't know what the fixtures are like in terms of if they've got a favourable run coming up. Um, they obviously picked up a point at East End as well, yeah. which, is, which is great. So if they can do Dunfermline and Montrose both at home, you know, four points over the two fixtures against them heading into the last two, I think would be uh, would be pretty shrewd for them. They have two massive home games coming up in the first two weeks of November. They host Dunfermline, then host Edinburgh. They yeah. two two wins, yeah. if they get two wins there, they could be right in amongst it. I want to obviously say just before we go into League Two, a massive, I think massive wins for Kelly and Queen of the South because... It Very gives them so. a six-point gap over Clyde and Peterhead that I think already could be huge because I I think Clyde and Peterhead are really struggling. And for Queen of the South and Kelly, I don't think they would have been hoping to be down there after 11 games. I thought they'd be... But just that bit of breathing space means they'll take a lot of confidence from that and build up towards the league because I think they're more than capable of being right in amongst it if they just get a few wins, and, wins going. And I think they're beginning to get there. Definitely. I, I worried for Peter Head at the start of the season, given how I really worried for Peter Head. The, the squad was for Jimmy Mack. Yeah. Um, and as you say, Kelty and Queen <coughs> probably had aspirations to be in amongst the promotion contenders. It's not worked out that way just yet, but there's still only five points off the playoff places. So that highlights the crazy nature of League One. I think it's the standout division in Scotland for me this year. I think, I think it's, it's a, a fantastic league. And just like obviously that as well, I, I agree with you. League Two has came to life a lot in the past few weeks, and I think it shows you here. We'll just run through the results. Annan 1, Stranraer 1, Bonnerig 1, East 5, 4, 
Dumbarton 1, Albion 1, Elgin 0, 4 for 1, and Stenhouse Muir 1, Stirling 3. We recorded a show with Stevie Farrell a month ago, and Dumbarton were 7 points clear. And I I think the week before that, they could have been 10 points clear. And I said to Stevie Farrell, I said, listen, this, I would be taking a lot of, I, I fancy used to win the league quite convincingly here. Stirling are now above them. And it shows you how quickly things can change in football because, and massive credit to Darren Young for, for getting a run going and catching up because it's not easy. See, when you're that that far behind really early on, it's difficult to get, get that back. So massive fair play to Stirling Albion for doing that. I think that's probably been, I think that's probably stands out to me. A massive 3-1 result there. Going to Stenhouse Muir, who, had to, who I had to win the title at the start of the season, I mean, doing it late as well. There were 1-1 one, one at 84 minutes. Paul McLean and Aaron Dunsmore with two late goals and already Stirling just getting that gap closed really, really quickly. Because I thought I thought the exact same as you. I actually had Dumbarton as my, my pre-season okay. two favourites. So when I saw them make that electric start, I thought, brilliant. What a shout that was from yeah. me. I looked like a genius. Because <coughs> mm-hmm. it was seven straight victories, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And now from the four games since... They've picked up two points out of potential twelve, mm. which again just just shows you the Beanos have closed that gap, which I'm delighted to see. That was my great grandfather's team, so always keep oh. an eye out for their results. Um, so yeah, I I wanted Sterling, but I thought it'd be Dumbarton. So I think we're actually set up for a really intriguing title race between the two. East Fife and Stenny aren't even that far behind. No, well. not. I think it's I think it's only six points. So and a big one for East Fife as well. Obviously going to Bonnie yeah. Riggin winning four one. Forfer, yeah, Forfer getting a big one as well. I think they won one now away to Elgin. Gets them off bottom of the league. I know they wouldn't yeah, have won. That's a surprise. Be, but that one will do them the world of good. Going to a place like Elgin's never easy. But I mean, all three leagues at the moment. I mean, it was another in, intriguing week. But everything just stood out. What's coming up this week? We'll just go through quickly the four games in the League Cup. Kilmarnock to the United. Rangers played in D. There's a bit of a weird thing in Wednesday. I'm just going to... I want to get this right just to make sure I'm not making this up. Mother will play Celtic at quarter past six and Rangers played in D at quarter past eight. Yeah, because they're... Are they not both on Premier? They're both in Premier Sports, but yeah. why on earth have, did Motherwell and Celtic not go on Tuesday night? And that, to me, is nonsense. And <laughs> you tell me Aberdeen Park that was the final the final game of the quarterfinals as well. <clears throat> I mean, I just can't get my head around that. I will unless Premier Sports are doing a, a massive double bill or whatever, but Motherwell and Rangers that was the plan, the double header, wasn't it? I think so. And from a TV perspective, it probably makes sense, but from a logistical perspective, what on the earth are they thinking? What on earth are they thinking? But it's going to be a fascinating weekend. So, um, you look forward to the League Cup action. Uh, still a bit of a touchy subject for me, honest, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. I, I, I don't really know who I, I'm wanting to to win it now. That's 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 the tricky thing. Uh, but I think the ties are pretty straightforward. Minus maybe that Kelly Dundee United. I think that's definitely the tie of the round. Yeah, absolutely. But it's trying yeah. to determine who is said winner. Although could Partick maybe spring a surprise on Aberdeen, considering they are continuing to pick up points. In the championship, that's up to isn't it? Yes, it is. Which would be the only thing that would then sort of counter that, given Aberdeen have looked shit hot at home. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Kelly Dundee United 
could be a cracker. Yeah, um, and it's the only game that I think that's in Premier Sports as well, but it's the only game on Tuesday night. So it's a fascinating week for, for Scottish football. I'm looking forward to that. And obviously we are going to do a wee extra special show on Friday morning where we'll look back on the weekend, the midweek games. We will also be doing a wee preview because I... Adam, I'm not sure you know, this weekend, next weekend is going to be the first weekend of VAR. So we will have a wee Q&A about VAR to see how it's going to work. I don't know what we will know because the SPFL have told us to be patient for three months. So oh, let's, chaos, let's hope. But yeah, I mean, I watched the Liverpool-Man City game today, right? And my first thought so was, with the shot pull, then you can argue if it's a foul or not. Rules of the games, it is a foul. Can you imagine how that's going to work up? Here? Oh, it's got to be yeah. chaos. Because that ticks off what the the Friday night with Hibs St. Johnston. Hibs St. Right? Johnston. I don't know if that's the television, actually. It's, no, because they're yeah. talking that the first televised clash is Hearts hosting Celtic at Tynecastle on Saturday lunchtime. Yeah, I have a strange Which in feeling. Itself, that's, that's, that fixture's had many a, a controversial decision down the years, so... We could see it come. To the I have a strange feeling. Where, I have a strange feeling we are going to have Charlie Richmond on here every week, going through <laughs> these. Games. I just have a strange feeling. I think Charlie Richmond, if you're watching, just don't make any plans for a Sunday night because that is probably you're probably going to be on every. You're basically going to be our Dermot Gallagher. Let's be <laughs> honest. That's be, but. I'm looking for. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to it. I think it's going to be chaos, as you say. But oh. we we should have it. We. Sh- yeah, going coming in, and it's been a farce. It's been an absolute farce yeah. coming in but midway through a season. Start of a season like coming exactly. in midway through a season, we get told it's coming in during a world uh, after the World Cup. It's now oh. coming in before the World Cup. SPFL organization, nobody does it better. But Adam, we're going to wrap up the show there. It's been an absolute pleasure. You know, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Oh, good mate. It's uh, it's been a blast. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you very much for coming on, and I really appreciate it. Thanks very much to everyone that's tuned in. Please follow and subscribe to our YouTube podcast and social media channels. We've got a lot coming out this week. We're going to have several roundups of the league we cover. We're also going to have several shows as well coming up on the network. And on Friday, we'll have a special Scottish football show extra. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers.